This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Hello and welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name is Christine, one of the hosts of the podcast, and I am joined by Rich Birch, the founder of Unseminary. Rich, I have a question for you. Since the last time we were together on the podcast, I imagine you have heard from some churches. Is there a church that's relaunched their ministry since we talked to us? How did it go? That's a great question. So yeah, a couple churches come to mind. I was talking to a friend of mine who's, you know, from a larger church. This is a church I was doing some coaching with. And, you know, a lot of the churches who are either approaching a thousand or just beyond a thousand, I'll do coaching with executive pastors and on church growth, multi-site, that sort of thing. And so uh, this church, they are, yeah, a couple thousand people and they just recently have reopened uh, their in-person services and, uh, you know, he was asking me, he was like, oh, what do you think? How, you know, how many people do you think will come? And because we keep seeing 30%, that number is really persistent. We see about 30% of people show up and they had 40% on their first weekend of what they were experiencing before. So he was feeling really good about that. Felt like that was a fantastic thing on kind of the, you know, other side of the equation. I was talking to a church leader recently who they're still trying to figure out their in-person reopening strategy, still working on it. They're in a part of the country that's starting to see surge um, of cases and their leadership team is split on it. So, you know, you've, and and it's almost like right down the middle where you kind of, their, their senior leadership team is split and their board is split on it and, and it's causing some internal tension and uh, struggle. And so I feel for those church leaders, this is not an easy season, right? Mm -hmm. This is not, uh, um, you know, simple. If this was straightforward, uh, we wouldn't, you know, we would have all just opened. It's not that way. Uh, Leaders, that actually probably speaks to why we're even talking about what we're talking about today, uh, which is these three different kind of marketplace examples, uh, trying to draw lessons from them to apply to our churches, because frankly, it's not easy. All right. Well, like you said, today's article is called Cirque du Soleil, Monster Jam, and Disneyland Marketplace Reopening Lessons for Your Church. Yeah, there's no doubt that this uh, reopening phase at your church is going to include some of the most complex decisions that you're, you'll ever make. And, you know, our, our pivot to digital that happened really quickly, it happened in days and impacted us for months. Um, you know, our current conversation it's, it's going to really be this reopening phase is going to be defined by months and is going to impact us for years. You know, what we're, this isn't like a, we make three decisions and move on. It's, it's going to be really an extended conversation. And so what we're trying to do here today is to give you some examples of businesses, marketplace examples of organizations who rely on live events, who their kind of business model bases itself on live events. And so, um, and large crowds. And so um, I'm really trying to draw lessons from them. We've done this kind of work in the past uh, at Unseminary. Our hope is that this is hopeful for helpful and hopeful uh, for you as you lead today. All right. Well, we have enjoyed some of these shows over the years. What can we learn from Cirque du Soleil? Cirque du Soleil. So um, first of all, if you don't know who Cirque du Soleil is, they're a, uh, it's an incredible international organization. Uh, they have both residential shows. So like shows that are like in buildings that they own or lease. And then they have touring shows as well. Um, and they're, you know, they've been around for probably 40 years and they, they do this really cool um, circus that's all based on humans. So there's no people, there's no animals or anything like that. Uh, it's amazingly, incredi- incredibly artistic. Well, at the end of June of 2020, so just over a month ago, um, Cirque du Soleil 
filed for bankruptcy protection. Uh, <clears throat> this is a pretty dramatic move and caught uh, the tension of kind of the entertainment world. And really, the reason why that happened, when you dig into it, when you read, and I've, li and I've listed some articles in here, if you want to dig into it more, is um, they kind of restructured their ownership within the last five years. And because of that restructuring actually ended up with an incredible amount of debt. Mm -hmm. And so be going months, uh, what started with weeks and then now months of um, not having live shows anywhere in the world has put incredible financial pressure on their organization. They've laid off uh, at the most recent number I found was 3,480 employees wow. uh, worldwide. And ultimately, uh, in fact, this just happened last week. It wasn't, if it was because of government intervention uh, and a complex financial arrangement that it looks like they're going to survive. They're going to be able to come out of this. Now, what difference does that make for you and, and for me? Well, you know, if your church went into this phase with an incredible amount of debt on your books, uh, this is going to be a tough season for you. You probably are feeling that already. And this season is the season, like Cirque du Soleil is doing, uh, this season is a season for us to look carefully at our books and say, is there ways that we need to reshuffle what we do, that we need to address the expense side of what we do so that we're generating excess revenue? Um, you know, maybe in the past that hasn't been a goal for us. I know we're nonprofits, but um, we do want to be generating a surplus that can help us with this long term. You know, in executive pastor circles, there's always this like, you know, when maybe lead pastors, when they get together, they'll talk about like, well, like uh, how big is your church or how many people do attend? But executive pastors, when they get together, they always say, so how many weeks of uh, you know surplus do you have? <laughs> and there's always kind of that debate. And, you know, really, we're in a season now where we see, listen, you need to have at least three months of surplus on your book ready to go. And Cirque du Soleil is a good example of that. The other thing I found interesting about Cirque du Soleil as I was diving in on that was they uh, don't believe that they'll return to live performances until at least the end of 2020 or the beginning or quarter one of 2022. This is an important timeline for us to consider. You know, if an organization like this, who they spend literally you know, hundreds of millions of dollars thinking about how do we get people into a room and do live shows. If they're thinking it's going to be, uh, you know, the end of this year, beginning of next year, what does that mean for your and my reopening plans? They are, you know, so many of us are in a rush to reopen where a part of what they're learning is mm, it's going to take us a while. And their plans also include opening their residential shows first. So these are places where they frankly have large operations. They have uh, buildings and staff and, you know, office space and all that, both in Orlando and Las Vegas, which got me thinking about our campus reopening you know you know we probably need to be thinking not forcing hey we need to open up every location at the same time it's okay if we stage these things out start with frankly those places that you know you can open safely you have the highest amount of control on um, you can do that in a way that frankly is cost effective uh, is helping you generate excess surplus as you're looking uh, for your uh, you know reopening plans now they also an interesting thing they they talk about how so Broadway's close to the end of the year as well I didn't know if you know, I was actually going to write about them oh, as wow. well. So they're, they're completely closed until the end of 2020. And um, so I was reading this interesting article that was saying that the average Broadway show uh, loses money up until the house is 90% full. Uh, and so you've got, they only make money on that last 10%. Where Cirque du Soleil, uh, they, they say that they start making money at 40% full. So they actually feel hopeful when they reopen mm, okay. that they can reopen with smaller crowd sizes. So what do finances look like? We need to be thinking about that. We need to be reopening considering how how do we do that in such a way to actually generate uh, excess revenue or surplus on our books? Yeah. So the 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 most 
specific learning I see there is for multi-site churches, particularly on the open. Absolutely. Front. Yeah, for sure. And they, you know, this could look like, hey, you've got physical locations. Those ones, frankly, are going to be easier to open than portable ones. Our friends at Portable Church are doing actually an amazing job, portablechurch.com. They're doing an incredible job helping churches reopen in rented spaces. So if you want help, they actually, you can reach out to them. They'll like literally get on the phone and help you think it through. Uh, but, you know, I would be thinking about the campus mix and saying, hey, maybe we should be looking at different locations and how we open. Awesome. All right. Secondly, Monster Jam. So before we started this, the title of this section is Monster Jam. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday will look different. Uh, and Christine's like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? So they do these ads on like the radio. They're kind of known for these like Sunday, Sunday, Sunday down at the Tri-County Fairgrounds. We're going to be meeting this weekend for Monster Jam, the Bone Crusher and all this stuff. So I found this interesting kind of study about them and their parent Feld Entertainment. So these are the people that also run like, you know, Ice Capades and like all those big shows, you know, Thomas on ice and all that. This is the same organization that runs, you know, all uh, these things. So a couple interesting things about them. Again, we see they laid off 90% of their employees. In fact, they indicated to them that they're not sure when those employees are going to come back, that they're, um, you know, they've, they've kind of indicated to their employees that they think they're going to come back with a much smaller organization, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is, you know, which is sad. Now, interestingly, they, uh, they talk about the responsible return to racing. So they're, again, language is super important in this season. They're working on, hey, how do we talk about doing live crowds again? How do we do this in a way that is um, innovative, but then also is is healthy and all that. So in a late May and early June, they started to provide live events to NBC uh, where there were no audiences there and they used exercise, you know, extreme caution with the coronavirus. Uh, but they've been committed to, and they're committed in the future of doing a hybrid of both live and online events. So they publicly said, you know what, our future isn't going to be just about getting you down, getting you to come down to the fair, the Tri-City Fair or the Tri-County Fair Gate, you know, fairgrounds, you know, this weekend. Obviously, I'm not a radio announcer, um, but they are going to be doing online events. Actually, NBC notably in this season has been really innovative. They Currently, they're doing a deal with um, this uh, new kind of upstart league, the Premier Lacrosse League. They're doing this really innovative thing over these couple of weeks. The same issue. They're saying, hey, we've got to get sports in front of our people. So the takeaway for us, I think here for Monster Jam is to look at distribution channels. I, I think, so I always get concerned when we think as leaders, binarily we think well there's either in person or online that's it Mm -hmm. and i see a lot of us doing that in this season we're like well we either need to open up our big boxes or we need to be fully online or we need to do both of those i think you should be looking for some other uh, venues some other channels in the season actually i've heard of multiple churches in this season that have all things have started television ministry again Hmm. how strange is that but they've said listen we're we're producing essentially a television show already if you reached out to your local abc nbc you know CBS affiliate, chances are you can get, you'd be surprised at actually how inexpensive you could get time, you know, on Sunday morning or on Saturday night um, to actually replay some of that, uh, that content, you know, watch parties we're seeing across the country, churches looking at really a different way of doing live events. So not just driving to big things, but also like a collection of small groups meeting in, in a neighborhood or in a parish, in a, in a small town or in a small community, kind of multiple small groups or even public events we're seeing. And you've probably seen this right actually i saw a church on the weekend they uh cleverly they're like you can either join us online or on lawn uh because they're doing <laughs>
doing these online services where they're you know out in front of their campuses they're opening online services uh which is great so again trying to stretch us to think hey we're how can we use what we've learned and potentially uh, find a new channel for distributing what we're doing to create new audiences, new opportunities for us to reach people with the uh, message of Jesus. So Rich, what percentage of churches do you think had to pivot online for the first time as an organization? That's a great question. So if this was the Barna Glue podcast, (laughs) uh, they would be able to tell you the exact number. Uh, I'll need to refer people uh, to that. I would say... um, well, what I so I'll give you the two things that I do know. I had heard um, our friend Craig Rochelle in the midst of all that say that the church online platform grew 10x in a 10-day period. Oh wow! And so they ended up having 10 times as many people using church online. So, I you know I would say it's a high percentage. You know, 30, 40, 50 percent of people or churches who were not doing online. Uh, now are doing it or doing some version of that. And we're seeing this even with very small churches. I remember my mom reached out to me and my aunt's church, they go to a very small church and they for weeks had been doing, you know, early on when it looked like it was only going to be a couple weeks, we're doing just the printed out kind of devotional. They were emailing out. But after a few weeks, the pastor was like, oh, I can't keep doing this. And reached out and said, hey, how can they do this? And I said, you know, your best bet is to is to get an iPhone and start streaming from your iPhone. Um, so I would say it's a high percentage mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, churches that, that weren't online that now are online in this season. Yeah, so it's a time to apply the same hustle that all those churches did to pivot then to Absolutely. find these new Yeah, to find methods. a new channel. There may yeah. be new ways. You're already like on the TV thing or radio even. I know it's crazy as it sounds. You're already doing the hardest part of this, which is the capturing of that content. Maybe there's a new place to distribute that content. All right. Thirdly, and um, a little bit higher on my list than Monster Jam, personally, <laughs> Disneyland. Yeah, so it would not be an unseminary podcast. We can't go multiple weeks without talking about Disney. So uh, Disneyland, the most sanitized place on earth. So it's been kind of sad actually to watch uh, the Disneyland reopening. Uh, So uh, we're more Disney World people here at On Seminary. But, uh, (laughs) you know, love Disneyland, love all my West Coast friends. And, you know, for folks that have been tracking that story, uh, Disneyland was planning on opening July 16th, which would have been the 65th anniversary of Disneyland. That's why they picked that day. They were Mm. trying to get open for their anniversary. But because of both government changes but then also volunteer, they don't volunteer there Uh, because of staff pressure. They ended up pushing back actually indefinitely. So the way it stands today is they've said indefinitely, they're not sure when they're going uh, to reopen again. And you know, that's, that's sad to see. And we've seen this in some churches. In fact, you talked about this recently, right? Mm -hmm. Where churches, you know, you you take a step forward and take a step back. That's an important piece of this puzzle as you're communicating, talk about your next phase. Uh, But that doesn't mean that you, you know, that might change or shift uh, in, the future. And so a couple lessons to draw from that. So um, two things. It's just because the government says you can open does not mean that you have the workforce or the labor force to do that. Our churches are always a volunteer organization. The, 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 vo- the church is the greatest volunteer engagement organization in the world. And, and you and I need to find ways to see this season as a way to engage more volunteers, to see more of them step in. You're not going to be able to, and I know we've been saying this a lot, but you can't just drop people onto a volunteer schedule and assume that they're, they'll come back. That's just not the case. We've got to pastorally care for people. If you haven't talked to your people in a while, you know, where are those people at? You know, how are they doing? And then there, we've got to create a space for people 
to be frankly okay with the fact that they're not coming back, that they may not feel safe to come back. And this is a part of what happened in the Disneyland story was uh, basically the corporation got out and said, we're opening on this date. And then the unions were like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> hey, wait a second. We're not super excited about that. And actually, unfortunately, it got kind of public and messy where they like mm. were signing petitions and like, hey, don't open and all that. Missed a step there. Now, you and I won't have a, a, a volunteer union that speaks against us, but we can have the same kind of thing happen with our people where where they feel like, oh, the church is, is going ahead regardless of what I think. We've got to slow down, re-engage our uh, volunteers. Now, you also talk about, um, you know, maybe pairing back some of the services like Disneyland did. Yeah. So maybe there's a way there to kind of, um, if we're going to have less volunteers, if, yeah. we're, if we're scaling back our ministries, maybe there's some other volunteers that are willing to come back that just need to be relocated into yeah, their teams. I, I, yeah, that's great. I appreciate you bringing that up. A little bonus content that's not in the in the article. Um, so I, I heard this amazing thing this weekend. So Coca-Cola... Uh, they're cutting back on their brands. So one of their lessons in this season is we've got to cut back our total number of offerings. They're going to focus on their core products. They have 200 brands of soda or pop, depending on what part of the country (laughs) you're in, uh, that represent combined, all 200 of those represent less than 1% of their total sales in the country. Mm -hmm. So if they got rid of those 200 brands and all the staff and all the stuff that's associated with that, um, it would only make one percent difference on their on their oh, bottom right. line, and so they're in the process of trying to figure out, hey, which of those should we close mm-hmm. down? Uh, you know, in the Disneyland example, there are things that they've already said, and we're seeing this at Disney World too, where they're um, talking about, like, hey, we're not doing this anymore; we're backing out of this service. Some of that is, frankly, trying to focus the number of people on on those areas. So one of the things that's not coming back is live performances. That's both because of they don't want people sitting in rows anymore, but there's also an issue with the staff um, where the unions, the performers unions are, are negotiating what that, what that actually looks like. So I would be looking for what are those offerings that frankly you should be getting yourselves out of, you know, um, it has been said, don't let, don't, a waste a good crisis this could also be a season to frankly cut some of your ministry offerings that are just not that effective that for years you've been thinking about maybe we should cut and i don't know what it is i always pick on the the pancake breakfast the guy's pancake breakfast i'm sure it's effective in some church but a lot of churches it's not this could be the season to say hey we're going to get rid of that we're seeing this in the disney example as well one of the things at disney world so not disneyland that they've cut has has been all their boat rentals so you used to be able to go and like rent a boat and just drive around on their on water they've cut all that now they've said it's because of coronavirus i suspect it's because that's a wildly unprofitable venture because boats are holes in the water that you throw money through um and so they're trying to get out of that you know that part of their business so some stuff to think about as you know as we're thinking about reopening yeah it's a great time to reevaluate absolutely all right is there anything else that you'd like to add yeah so we put together a free three-part video series and we've linked to it in the show notes or on the article you can scroll right to the bottom i'd love for you to sign up dear listeners and check it out it's It's a three-part video series on church growth, and these are really packed with ready-to-implement ideas. So as we are looking to grow in this season, all of our churches are going to need to pay real close attention to how are we um, encouraging people to come back to our church and how are we encouraging to grow. And this content could really help you. It's completely free. Again, just scroll to the bottom, enter your email address. We'll send you to there. You can see they're written out. They tell you what they're all about. Some stuff about um, church growth myths debunked or, you know, some um, church growth uh, keys they didn't teach us in on seminary or questions that everyone's asking about church growth. I would encourage you uh, to get that. It's absolutely free for unseminary listeners. Super helpful. As you do, you like 
to be able to help church leaders. Absolutely. Thanks for doing that. All right. Well, thank you, Rich. And thank you to our listeners. You can find this article and other helpful articles at unseminary.com.